Welcome back to The Bill Bow Effect, the podcast series asking the question, can culture boost economic development? I'm your host, Seth O'Farrell, FDI's Global Investment Reporter. And in this episode, we'll be looking at the city of Liverpool in the north of England. Famous internationally for the Beatles, football and its docks, Liverpool is also a notable case study in urban cultural regeneration. It was named European City of Culture in 2008 and has since become a popular city break destination, attracting over 50 million tourists a year pre-pandemic. The city offers a healthy blend of art museums, music, nightlife and sport, which allow visitors to explore the city's present and past. As a major port, Liverpool also played an important role in the transatlantic slave trade and British colonialism. In tandem with its rise to cultural prominence in the late 2000s, the city moved to let the darker side of its history be known and understood to the general public through institutions such as the International Slavery Museum, which opened in 2007. Last year, however, its UNESCO World Heritage status was axed due to developments on the waterfront the United Nations Agency said had led to a serious deterioration of the area's Victorian docks. The pandemic has also shone a spotlight on how vulnerable the city is to the visitor economy, with domestic tourists down by 73% in 2020. All of this begs the question, is Liverpool a victim of its very own Bilbao effect? With me to talk about Liverpool is Claire McColgan, Director of Culture Liverpool, which was established after the success of 2008. She also helped develop the successful bid in 2000, which enabled the city to then become capital of culture, and works as a national and international advisor on best practice in culture for bodies such as Arts Council England. Claire, welcome to the Bilbao Effect. Hi, thanks for, thanks for inviting me. Pleasure. I wanted to start by asking, for the benefit of our listeners who've never been to Liverpool, how would you sum the city up? In oh, so many I, I think I think I'd sum it up. It's one of the most changed cities in Europe over the last fifteen years. It is a beautiful city that faces out to the sea. You know, every time you turn a corner, there's something different happening. It feels like its streets spark with energy. It's an incredible city. It's a party city. Um, it's a great destination for visitors of all ages because of its heritage, but also for the stuff that's free within the city. But it's a city that's got a very dis- great big distinctiveness and a great big heart and always has something to say for itself. Wow, so streaks of energy. Um, As I mentioned in my introduction, it was European Capital of Culture in 2008. What was the significance of that at the time and how has the city developed since? It was huge because in, in the UK, not so much internationally, Liverpool had a certain reputation at the turn of the century that wasn't um, particularly helpful and actually wasn't particularly true. And I think what, what you're thinking about was that it, reputation. It was a reputation of being, you know, a bit of a, an unsafe city, a city um, that, that was constantly in the news for the wrong reasons, that was talked about as, a, I mean, in, in kind of city council terms, if you like, it was called a basket case of a local authority, which isn't very complimentary <laughs> under any circumstances whatsoever. And one of the reasons why we bid for European capital culture was because we kind of forgotten what we were as a city. I mean, it, it is an incredibly unique place. It's got seven national museums. It's got to take Liverpool. You know, it's got a cultural offer that is really unique and really speaks of place of it mm-hmm. of itself. Which you had before. We should specify. Take Liverpool was already there. Yeah, take Liverpool was there. Take Liverpool's part of the first sort of round of regeneration, if you like, kind of 30, 30, 30 years ago. Um, and I think I think what was really interesting about Liverpool in terms of it, it deciding to bid. And I look at it now and think, how on earth did it not have the confidence for this? Is we thought we'll bid just to be shortlisted. Mm-hmm. And a city like this, a city that has kind of changed culture really across the world, you know, that exported probably the, you know, the biggest kind of modern, modern creative 
industry, which is the Beatles forever, apart from the, the kind of history that it's got, its sense of presence, it had kind of forgotten what it had to offer. So winning European Cup of Culture was an absolute line in the sand for the city, both in terms of kind of its outward facing nature, in terms of its culture that, that you know, that, that, that kind of shines through it, but also in terms of its developments. So it kind of gave us a real um, objective of finishing things, getting the city ready. And the city that you walk in now, now is a very different place than it was 20 years ago. Completely different. And can you tell us some of what Culture Liverpool has done in the wake of 2008? Well, I think lots of cities, in terms of when you get these big prizes, cities can either decide to say, we've done that and move on and move on to something else. Or they can use culture as absolutely kind of the thread that drives the rest of the, 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 the regeneration. So we've delivered, we do kind of three things quite well as a city. One of them is we fund our cultural sector exceptionally well. And we've done that very deliberately because without that kind of core offer from great organisations, both large and small, you've not got the basics right as a city. So we fund our, our regular offer, that brilliant offer that our cultural organisation artists do brilliant, really well. We then bring in kind of once in a while, really epic events that kind of build on that moment in 2008 where kind of crowds fill the streets, where people talk to strangers, where you kind of have that moment of joy and surprise and excitement that you only get from kind of live events and watching something really unique and magical and absolutely global in its perspective. And then also we look at kind of the infrastructure and how we kind of get the infrastructure better for artists to kind of thrive in the city. And that's about investing in art cultural buildings, you know, Sterling Prize winning Everyman, the new Museum of Liverpool. So constantly doing the development of buildings, but not at the expense of people, people, people in the city and their memories and kind of what we put on the streets and what we put in our galleries and, and how we kind of express ourselves kind of come first really here. Mm -hmm. So expanding the cultural offer, events and infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and I think they're kind of, they're, they're not mutually exclusive because all of our events kind of show <laughs> showcase that kind of brilliant infrastructure and they kind of bring a spotlight on it in a really different way mm -hmm. but they also bring audiences to the arts that would potentially never step into a museum potentially never step into a gallery or a theater it's a they bring families from 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 across the city and across across the region and across the countries to to our events mm -hmm. and that's really magical and i kind of think we've really missed that in covid but that gives an international sense of place, I think, that 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 we've really worked very hard to kind of imp improve on. Mm -hmm. And so what specifically have you done to engage local Liverpudlians? I mentioned in my introduction that it's become quite a popular city break destination and uh, for both domestic tourists and international tourists. But how have you made it? Have, have you ensured that it's not just an offer for outsiders? There's a there's a load of ways we do. It. I mean, I think it's it's a very odd city. It's not odd city. It's a different city because Liverpool people. We've just done a huge survey, and culture came out top of the survey. People love it. They get it. They re they're very proud of it. And in terms of visitors, Liverpool, it's a welcoming city. And remember, kind of twenty years ago, this this visitor economy, this this city wasn't known to visitors. So now with the cruise ships coming in with people coming for weekend destinations, there's a real pride there from local residents about showcasing their city and what their city has to offer. But in terms of kind of all the work that we do, community engagement has always been at the heart of it. I mean, I started, um, we ran a whole programme called Creative Communities back in 2000, that was putting kind of people's stories and people's lives at the centre of a, of a European capital culture bib, which had never been done before. It was the first time that 
that kind of that had been done where we looked to kind of tackle kind of issues that the city faced through 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 using creativity and now it's in every bid and you kind of see it when you read bids and you see it in the kind of manifestations of european capital culture or cities of culture but that was kind of born here in terms of making that central to everything that we did and um, how do you think Liverpool compares then with some of the other cities that have won these sorts of titles, city of culture uh, titles in the UK, such as Hull, Coventry, or even other cities such as Dundee and Margate that have also had cultural regeneration efforts in the last decade? Well, I think we've been talking about, obviously talking about it longer and doing it longer. I think that also the, the UK city of culture competition came out of the success of Liverpool. So, so Phil Redmond, who... Um, was chair was deputy chair of the board and um, in charge of the creative capital of culture kind of looked at the success of Liverpool looked at the fact it had been on the map for a year the the amount of interest it had caught it, it, it engendered and then talk government into doing a competition for other cities of which Derry London Derry was the was the next iteration of it I think the difference with Liverpool and those cities is we're, we're on a longer journey so I think when you do those big prizes it's very much Look at me, and you're in, you know, and you're in the spotlight, and it's wonderful, and everyone's talking about you, and then you've got to kind of cope with the fact that year two, the kind of attention moves to somewhere else. <laughs> I think we kind of are very clear about our long-term strategy, and we live here. You know, I'm a I'm a, a, a creative producer, really, but I, I work for the city. I love I love working for the city, and there's a challenge around every corner. But the skills have stayed within the organisation, which means we can put on those big events. We know how to kind of run a program well. I think kind of lots of places move on too quickly to the next kind of big thing. And we've just been consistently building and building and building mm. a great narrative, but also that's based on real content. It's not just a marketing tool. It's got real depth and authenticity that you can only get when you've been building a legacy for kind of 12, 12 13 years it is now. Mm -hmm. There's this, essentially there's a staying power with expertise and content that you're saying. Also, the team has stayed the same. You're still there. You're still in Liverpool. You're not going anywhere. Um, that's key, uh, you're saying, to Liverpool's success. It is, and it's, and it's quite unusual, I think, for, for those kind of, kind of type of projects. But that's not to say that you don't keep bringing in new talent because you've got to keep re-energising um, re what you do. And I think we've been very good at kind of welcoming kind of new talent. A lot of our cultural organisations have changed artistic directors very recently you know, so there's a whole new energy in the city and that brings with it new ideas and new thoughts and we're very open to that but I think in terms of the actual mechanics of a city which is what's very interesting about Liverpool is whichever kind of leadership you have here they all just get it they just get the fact that we at some points we have to shut the whole city down from traffic in order to bring giants in or we have to shut the whole waterfront in order to bring three ships dancing down the river and invite a million people to our streets. They just get it. They get the importance of it. They get the importance of it, I think, emotionally for the city. And also, obviously, you know, the economic value, you can't, you know, you can't, it, it's just, you just feel it and you see it and, and, and people get it. But I think more than that, the politicians of whatever, you know, which, whichever party kind of get how important this is for Liverpool. Mm -hmm. But fast forward to 2021 and Liverpool has had its UNESCO status revoked. Um, one reason being for uh, the developments on the city's waterfront, such as Everton's new stadium. Are you concerned by Liverpool's lost status at all? 
Um, I'm not. I'm not concerned about it. We didn't want it, <laughs> so it's not, it's not very nice. But we're not. We're not concerned about. It. I think. I think. I think the thing is, and um, the thing is around the development around the docks. It's people shut their eyes when they think of Liverpool and they think of the three graces, and it's very easy for the media. You know, all the media at that point in time were the picture they were showing was a picture of the three graces. That wasn't the issue for UNESCO. The, the issue for UNESCO was a kind of disused dock northern docks which is which has got which nobody has been into certainly in my life in Liverpool for 30 years that we do occasional nightclubs on and onto that docks was going to be built Everton Stadium now anyone knows anything about Everton their roots into the community their quality of um the way they feel about the city and the way that they engage people is absolutely second to none in any football club in the whole country so they were never ever ever going to do something that was against kind of the the, the, the kind of, against the history of the city. I mean, they're a football club who's got a massive, massive, huge history in the city. They're not someone who's coming in to build kind of, you know, loads of sky-rise flats with no soul to them. It's, it's something that's got its soul and its roots within the city. So I think what's the real shame about UNESCO, more than, you know, the kind of headline taking it off Liverpool, is there was an opportunity to work with the city in a really interesting way um, around how you develop for a next generation in an area of real poverty in North Liverpool where people need jobs and they need to see some hope. And UNESCO just didn't want to do that. And that's what I think is sad about the whole process because otherwise the UNESCO heritage sites are just going to be heritage sites that stay in aspic. Mm. And cities can't stay in aspic, they just can't. Um, and I think there's a real missed opportunity on UNESCO's part to not work with us on that. And anyone, you know, if people have got along, people want to read the local plan that was just agreed by council and cabinet yesterday. It's all about looking at development in a very, very, very different way. And just what's unfortunate is UNESCO kind of decided, made that made their decision. And, and that was that was that. So we would love not to lose it, but it doesn't impact on kind of what we are or what we want to be. Mm -hmm. So you don't think, therefore, that urban regeneration is being taken too far with these sorts of developments, where there's a risk of a, of a city like Liverpool losing its initial cultural mission when there are these sorts of developments on the on the waterfront, or the reason that UNESCO wanted to um, revoke Liverpool's status? Oh, look, I mean, gosh, cities make terrible decisions in terms of plan you know, planning. Cities all over the world do. And I think with Liverpool post 2008, remember, it's a city that hadn't been invested in for years. And it, in some ways, you know, you look back at that time, you think um, the growth and the development, which is Liverpool one, is absolutely wonderful. You know, it's a proper, beautifully thought through development that kind of links the docks with the water. Sterling Prize winning theatres, you know, the music. There's lots of really great developments that have happened over the last 10 years in Liverpool. But like all cities, there are developments that, you know, you kind of wish had gone up. And I think what's happened um in the last kind of two in the last year actually we've got a, a new leadership in, in charge they put very much social value at the heart of developments we've turned down developments um because they haven't got the right kind of um they haven't got the right look they haven't got the right feel and they haven't they, and, and more importantly they haven't got the right social value so it's a city that is in development as well and i don't think there is absolutely no way when you take culture the way that we've done it and put it absolutely the center of everything you can never put that back in a box. I just think that, you know, Liverpool, like lots of cities, has probably has made mistakes in terms of some of the decisions that it's made. 
but it's learned you know it's learned from those and, and the, the stuff that we're doing at the moment is really really different and quite wonderful actually mm-hmm. so nonetheless social value and culture are still at the heart of uh of liverpool's um development yeah i mean social value is kind of probably much a, a, a kind of much more it's a it's a newer thing that's very been championed by by our mayor um culture has always been at the heart of our developments it's just some of you know yeah it's, it's always been at the heart of our developments mm-hmm. and, and also and always been at the heart of our story actually and you kind of it's very easy isn't it to look at those kind of you know hideous student flats and go that's it but actually some of the stuff that we've done with Royal College of Physicians, the spine building, you know, it's just it's just wonderful. The kind of all the stuff around um, up in the kind of going out of the city towards for people who know Liverpool really well, <laughs> the Royal Hospital, all that development that mounds around there is really interesting and really new and really innovative. So there's a, there's it's a real mixed bag, mm-hmm. um, but our heritage hasn't changed. You know, we still have. I'm still sitting in a Cunard building. It's not it's, it's not been raised to the ground. <laughs> And uh, what has the impact of the pandemic been on the city, um, particularly for businesses that are dependent on cultural activities and therefore tourists, both domestic and international? Well, awful. I mean, it has, it has been for everyone awful. I mean, I think the, the, the difference with Liverpool compared to other major cities is for, if, um, the, the figure is 47% of our business rates come from the wider visitor economy, and that's 270 million. So the whole discussion around how culture affects cities, well, 270 million goes back into children's, you know, children's social care, adult social care, into keeping our parks clean, you know, it goes back into basic services. So when those business rates disappear, it's it, it's, pre- it's pretty tough for a city. Mm. It stopped, didn't it? It stopped for everyone in March, in, 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 on that March day, nearly, nearly two, two years ago now. And the kind of days before, the cruise liners were still spilling out onto the streets. So it went from being the busiest place to kind of nothing. But Liverpool is really, really resilient. And every time we've kind of come out of lockdown or come back, we've come back kind of stronger and faster, probably than other cities, actually. And I look at the, the work that we did with government around the Pandemic Institute, te- doing mass testing. You know, we absolutely put our hands up to try things for government and with government so that we could get our economy back and our city back as soon as possible. So we did a big, big, huge mass testing pilot where we tested everyone, which is where the lateral flow testing came from. But kind of more importantly, we did the event research pilot. So we opened the first nightclub, um, which was kind of interesting when you're in events. <laughs> you kind of think, I'm putting an event on like I'd normally put on, which are really, really simple. And then you put COVID into the mix and a load of scientists and a load of and a huge amount of attention from government and from the media on it. And then suddenly it becomes very different. And it was really, 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 really tough. Let's but talk a bit it. about this trial oh, opening of the yeah. nightclub um, with 6,000 party goes, if I'm not mistaken. There was, there was two. So we did one that was um, Circus Nightclub on Brandymore Dock, exactly where we were talking about where the UNESCO, um, which was the whole point about where UNESCO's focus was. Um, so when was Circus Nightclub, which was opening the first nightclub, and that was, I think, 3,000 each night. And then we did one with 6,000, which was the first outdoor festival, which was with, with Festival Republic in Sefton Park to the south of the city. So we did both of those. And we did a business event as well. Um, and we trialled them in terms of, the, you know, the kind of how you kind of open events safely, mm-hmm. which was brilliant and brilliant for the city because we should be leading the way in that because it's such a vital part of our economy. But also, we will kind of we cut the connections in Liverpool are really good. You can you can make things happen really quickly and really well. But it was probably one of the scariest things I've ever done because, like, 
when you want everything to be perfect, the thing that you you don't want people to have got COVID, but <laughs> just mean you don't want people to catch COVID in them. That's the whole point. But of course, that was the experiment. So it was just it was really really brilliant, brilliant, brilliant thing to do. We learned absolutely loads. Um, and it was great for the country. You know, we took, we, we played our part in kind of getting events open. I'm really proud of that. Mm-hmm. And more, more events in the, in the pipeline like that? Oh gosh, next year's, next year's bonkers. So obviously um, you've got the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. So, so you've got a big event in Birmingham um, in, in the summer. So in the autumn, all attention will be back to us straight away. <laughs> <laughs> We've got we've got world gymnastics. We've got the Turner Prize coming back um, in the autumn season. We're talking about another couple of major big events. Obviously, there's a big music events. Africa coming back. Um, the Liverpool International Music Festival coming back. There's lots of kind of those big kind of music stuff that, that kind of makes the city really special. But in terms of kind of the big moments, it's autumn next year, which has got which has got the eyes of the world on us for gymnastics, but also for Turner Prize, which we're really really excited about. Lots of things to look forward to. Um... I I want to go back a little bit to the impact on businesses. You said that um, what forty seven percent of business rates are affected by the visitor economy. So yeah. do, does that mean that there will be a push into more knowledge based economy activities? I think, yeah, I mean Liverpool. We, we've got um, it's such a city that is that has kind of had for the last ten years this kind of real focus on visitor economy, and it's grown kind of very organically from it's a great city to visit really but um i think what what we're looking at now is to kind of see how you kind of get the city and the knowledge economy kind of on firing on all cylinders because it's got such a great starting point so the whole knowledge quarter with the two universities the fact that we've got the the pandemic institute opening um the fact that we've got the new spine building with royal college of physicians moving there there is a real opportunity especially to look at health and life sciences and how we kind of build that that whole kind of um that whole that that builds up the whole knowledge economy to kind of match with the visitors because now we've got the kind of place right as a place to live and a place to visit and a place especially for young people that's really exciting to be you know the fact that you can attract students and you can you can get them to stay and you can get them to start their own businesses here that's kind of the next the next level really um and i think the thing about liverpool that is kind of different is because we're so close to different places like you know you can live on the beach and you can work in liverpool it's 15 minutes away so there's a whole kind of different lifestyle thing post pandemic that is really interesting in terms of us building up those different those different those different kind of economic strands that mean we're not solely reliant on the visitor economy but we kind of still want to be building that because post brexit you know liverpool's one of the biggest brands in the uk mm. so all in all liverpool hasn't become a victim of its own bilbao effect no i think no because i think it's not it's not we're not there yet you know we can we're a city that can accept thousands and thousands more visitors (laughs) it's not we're not at capacity in terms of that yet and this and we're still at the start of our kind of journey on that so no I don't I don't think it's had the Bilbao effect I think the the difference with Liverpool it's it's not about a museum or a building Mm. it's always been about its personality and how we portray that personality through either our heritage or through our events or through the way that we speak all this incredible stuff you're seeing coming out of the, the tv at the moment it's got an authenticness that that is really important and um i think that's kind of how it will play its place it will play its part with some of the new developments we're thinking about you know the pool project that, that was announced by government um in, by treasury some of those new things the, the what project sorry 
there's a whole new development of a building that that um government have very kindly given us some resources to, to to look at in the next couple of years that kind of takes the waterfront as well into the next sort of generation because if this last kind of 15 years have all been about shopping and you know shopping and kind of that sort of lifestyle the kind of next 10 we kind of want to look at in terms of education how do we bring kind of young people back into the city center how do we kind of create that lifestyle of more family homes within the city center how do we kind of build things around a brilliant cultural offer but slightly the next 10 years rather than the previous ones and i think liverpool's much more it's certainly gosh it's like it's got its mojo back but it's also much more confident as a city so it's not it kind of knows who it is and where it wants to be and, and that's that's the next stage of its journey mm -hmm. as if culture has given it its confidence and now it's moving more towards a, a sort of holistic lifestyle um is that what you're saying yeah i am i am but without but but in yeah i am but in true liverpool style you never quite know what's around the corner so mm -hmm. <laughs> which is what, which is what keeps it really interesting in terms of creatives and in terms of uh, and look you know the thing we do really well is we bring thousands of people out on the streets to have fun together and that won't change here that's part of its absolute unique dna um but it gives it a base a really strong basis to build from and the city's cultural regeneration was funded by EU money. Post-Brexit then, what does the international standing of the city look like? Well, we're hoping for the, the replacement from the European money at some point. <laughs> um, so let's see, what, let's see what happens with that. But I think, um, I think what's the thing about Liverpool is the fact that it, it, ha it does translate internationally. So it is a city that people think they know either through football or through music. Um, or through its architecture. So when you speak about it at international forums, people kind of get it. So I think in terms of in terms of its international standing, I actually think that will grow because the kind of UK needs Liverpool as it needs some of its other big cities, and it's kind of unique because it's unique to sell itself to the world. So we're really looking forward to that and that kind of next that next iteration of that when we can kind of get out again and start really bringing in back in international visitors and really really focus on that. I'm being really, really competitive about Liverpool and the UK, because if you think about where we're sited, we're sited, you know, we're an hour, we're 35 minutes from Manchester Airport, we're an hour and a half from the lakes, you know, it's a place that is surrounded by real beauty, you know, we're 30 minutes from North Wales. So I think there's a whole kind of piece of work to do about how we connect up the country to make it easier for people once they do arrive in terms of international visitors. Um, and I think that's probably the next step that we'll be looking at in terms of how we talk about the city, but talk about our hinterland as well, in terms of that its individuality and also how we get people out of the city and into, and you know, and disperse them. Well, the UK needs Liverpool and maybe we all need to move to Liverpool. Uh, Claire McCorgan, I wish you all the best in, um, in your future endeavours with the city. Thank you so much and thank you for, for listening. Thank you very much. That's it for the first series of The Bill Bow Effect. You can subscribe to FDI Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. If you have any tips or suggestions for future episodes, don't hesitate to email me at seth.ofarrell at ft.com. We expect to be back later on in the year covering cities in Asia and hope you can tune in then. Mm -hmm.